Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for sending your Son to show us how to follow, how to live, Lord, and how to love our neighbor and to be a good neighbor ourselves. As we gather around your word this morning, we would ask that you break it small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. This morning, if you have brought your Bible along with you, or you have a bulletin, I would invite you to turn to our Old Testament lesson from Leviticus 18 and 19. As we dig into the text this morning, this is one of those passages within the lectionary that, in full disclosure, I had nothing to do with choosing. And it's an important statement to make because it can often be assumed that when a text is read or chosen, that perhaps that little detail in the service was something that was determined by the pastor or someone else, and it was solely by my opinion and process. Now, normally that wouldn't matter, but when we speak of things like sojourners and aliens and immigrants... Today in our culture, these are things that are significant topics of discussion. Things that not only divide us as a nation, but actually sometimes as households as well. And so the lectionary, the pre-selected readings that we engage in throughout the church year is something that is historic. It's handed down through the history of the church. And God has a way of speaking through those words to what his people need to hear. When you reap the harvest of your land... Do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am Yahweh, the Lord your God. In our gospel text for this morning, a man comes to Jesus and he asks, What must I do to be saved? And as Jesus puts the question back to the man, his response is a summary of the Ten Commandments and an echo of what we hear in Leviticus. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. To which Jesus responds and says, Correct! Do this and you will live. 
And now at that point in the story, in the gospel narrative, everything seems to be going well. But the man is a lawyer, and nothing against attorneys or lawyers, but a lawyer in those days was someone who was educated in the law of God. You see, they operate and live under a system of government where their laws were defined by what God had spoken and given to them. And so it's significant that Luke in our gospel text notes that this man is a lawyer and he's asking a question that he very readily ought to know the answer to. And so then things begin to go off the rails because desiring to justify himself, he then asks, Who is my neighbor? See, we want to know where the line is. We like to be able to dig into the details to the point that we stop seeing the forest for the trees. We want to know where the line is so that we can ask the question and say, how many times do I need to forgive? Who is my neighbor? Or what must I do to be saved? And to be totally blunt and honest, most of the time the question isn't asked in earnest. It's what boxes do I have to check to satisfy the bare minimum for salvation, for being a good neighbor, for forgiving my brother? What little do I have to do to pass? So that our aim is is to justify not doing what we think we should do and knowing better, but rather to exonerate the things that we do and know we shouldn't. You see, the confliction is that this is not about a checklist. This is about an identity. And so when we pick up in our text in Leviticus, God speaks to Moses and tells him, proclaim to the people, this is what it looks like to be my people. This is what it looks like to bear my identity in you. And so God gives Israel his word and says, these are the steps that you take to follow me. 
not the boxes to check, but actually my very footsteps because I will send my son who will walk the same dusty roads that you do, who will touch the same filthy hands, engage in the same conversations, eat the same food, feel the same pain. These are the footsteps for you to follow. And this is what it means to live as my people, as a community, as a body. And then he says, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord, as our English translates it. I am Yahweh, your God. You bear my name. I've put my seal upon you and I have claimed you to be one of my own. You see, instead of asking, who is my neighbor? The better question that we ask through our identity in Christ is in fact, who isn't? See, this distinction, this question is one that is not unique to how we wrestle with it. And in fact, as we have discussed before, this is something that has historically plagued the church and theologians because we like to be able to say, well, these folks are my neighbors because they look like me, they share life with me, they eat the same food, they think the same way, they love the same way, they dress the same way, they vote the same way. These are my neighbors over here, and, and I don't know who these are. These, are. these are foreigners. These are aliens. These are sojourners. These are outsiders. In the book, The Big Sort, the author attributes to the breakdown in relationships between neighbors to privacy fences and attached garages. You see, it used to be that when there was a detached garage with a house that you would come home from work, you'd have to park your car in the driveway or in the garage, get out of the car, go from the garage outside and then to the house with the possibility of potentially having to stop and talk to someone. Now see, in the Midwest or in the Deep South, where it can be 110, and you want to go from an air-conditioned car to an air-conditioned garage to an air-conditioned house, the attached garage is really nice. In Alaska, we do the same thing with heat. But in doing so, there is a time within most of our neighborhoods where we know there's probably a pretty good chance that, well, it was nice seeing you, as we kind of say in October, 
beginning of November. I'll see you again in the spring. Because <laughs> they're either going outside or they will not leave the confines of the warmth. You see, we struggle to know our neighbor. Those that we physically live next to and those that we actually do life together with. See, our identity, who we are, also defines what we are. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after you harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard, you shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. You see, we get what's left over. And the hope and prayer is that there is some left for the rest of us. We like to get tied up into the details of how we will be taken care of and how we will make sure that this, that, and the other gets done and how we will pay our bills and how we will get to retire and whatever the issue is we allow ourselves to be paralyzed by fear and yet God says I got this and I got that and I'll have that over there and the next thing that comes down the pipe yeah I've got that too and we thank God for that We're cared for so that we can care for others. We're forgiven so that we can be faithful and so that we might forgive others. We are claimed, we are called as Christ, Christ bears his name upon us as God's children so that we might call others home as well. Another way to say this is that we are neighbors. We do life together. We actually bump into one another, and that means that sometimes it gets messy. It gets hard. And so in that, the reading in Leviticus wraps up and says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's easy to love our people because it's like loving ourselves. But we ask, who is my neighbor? so that we keep sight of the forest and we have the big picture. So that as we gather 
together as saints and sinners and sojourners and the stone broke, we know that God has a way of providing for all of our needs so that he always gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.